0: How can you teach history, particularly world history, without talking about the role religion plays? And then you need to understand that a lot of your students are coming in knowing nothing about religions. So as part of that, teach about different religions as part of what you're teaching. Hi,
1: I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life
0: and the lives of those around her. Hello, I'm Linda K. Wertheimer, and I use the K so you don't confuse me with that other Linda of NPR. That <laughs> is not me, <laughs> oh. I, but I am a longtime journalist, former education editor of the Boston Globe, and I would say the title that I, I use most frequently now is author, and I'm the author of the book Faith Ed, Teaching About Religion in an Age of Intolerance, And I live in the Boston area with my husband and our fairly recent 13 year old son um, and our dog Bernie. And yeah, so I do writing, teaching, public speaking, a lot of different things. And welcome to Sylvia and me. Linda, what a great intro because a lot of it I don't have to
1: remember. And you, as you said, you're a journalist uh, for nearly 30 years. Uh, you were reported the Dallas Morning News and the Orlando Centennial, as well as other publications. Your work has appeared in the Washington Post, the New York Times, Boston Globe Magazine, USA uh, Today, Time, and of course, many others. Faith Ed, the book that you talked about, because you are an author, uh, in 2016, won a national book award, um, second place in the religion news association, nonfiction, religion book contest. That's among other reward, you know, awards that you've received. Um, faith ed, you talk about teaching religion and teaching religion really in public schools. Now, one thing that a lot of people don't don't know is the fact that I do believe that religion is allowed to be taught in public schools. Um, how did? When did this start? Why? Uh, I want to go back into more of your history because I know when you were young, you moved to some uh, suburban or
0: area in Ohio. Can you? talk a little bit about that and, and do you mean when it started like when did the idea for the book percolate yes yes um and and one thing I want to say is I'm really careful like to say teaching about religion because okay yeah I, yeah because when you say teaching religion people confuse that with preaching so no no that's just me um it's and so in- educating
1: educating, teaching
0: about, yeah. So not preaching, preaching is definitely not allowed. Um, So this book idea in a way, or really sort of the motivation for it began when I was nine years old Uh, and my family, we had lived in Western New York state in a little town called Horseheads, but it was near Corning, New York and Elmira, New York. And there were Jewish temples there. And because of Corning being sort of this international company, there were people from all around the world there. So there was a little more understanding that, yeah, there are people of other faiths who exist. Then we moved to not a suburb, but it was actually a a fairly tiny town called Finley, Ohio, which is like when I say people like, well, where the heck is that? And so it's it's, the biggest city nearby is Toledo, Ohio, and Lima, Ohio. So it's, it's, it's in rural Ohio, in Northwest Ohio and we lived outside the town line when it came to schools. So we went to Van Buren, Ohio schools, which is even smaller than the Finley school system and just like under a thousand students in K to 12. And to give you a sense of the school system for a second, just to kind of set the stage, at the time when I went and it's changed a little bit, there was a K to three building and then there was another building where grades four to 12 went and it was all on the same plot of land. They still just have two schools on the same plot of land. And that very first week of school, I'm sitting in my fourth grade classroom and this woman comes in and she's carrying what's called the flannel graph, which has like religious figures on it, It has Jesus Christ on it and his disciples. And she starts giving a lecture about Jesus to us. And this is in a public school. This is in a public school. I'm nine years old singing this class. And then she has everyone sing, Jesus Loves Me. And I kind of sink in my chair, really uncomfortable. And I don't want to sing it. You know, I'm Jewish. And it's, I didn't really know the words though. It's not that hard. Um, So I went home and I told my mom about this. And my brother, Kevin, who was two years older and in sixth grade had the same experience. And he told what the same woman came to his class and he told my mom and, you know, we're telling her together my brother said she even said in the class the Jews killed Jesus. You know, I, I don't know if that part is true, but certainly heard kids say that. So my parents complained and what the school district said, well, you know, we have to have these classes. It's what the community wants. And it was a violation of what's called separation of church and states. You know, the, the, the state is not allowed to promote a religion, and that includes public schools. So it was totally wrong that they were doing it. But my parents didn't want to make a big fuss because we were the, we very quickly learned we're the only Jewish family in the school system in the town of Finley at the time. There may have been like about three Jewish families in a town of maybe 30,000. So we were in the vast minority. So every week, instead of going to that class, when, when the church, I called her the church lady, when she came in, I left and went to the library or someplace. And then the kids noticed And I'll kind of fast forward a little bit. So I did experience some anti-Semitism. I did have kids say things to me like, why don't you go to the class? And I would say, well, I'm Jewish. And they're like, well, what's that? Do you believe in Jesus? And I'd say, well, no. I said, well, you're going to go to hell. And I heard that pretty steadily all the way through when my religion came up. Why did this motivate me to much later, 40 years, fast forward almost 40 years later, write a book called Faith Ed because I was curious, like what if instead of preaching one religion in our school, what if they had taught us about many religions? Would that that,
1: have made That's it? They would they there was no preface to it. They were they were whether it be preaching or or praying, that's all they knew.
0: And that was not the only example, right? So that was the Churchly by the way was hired the school system didn't pay for her. She was hired by a group of local churches. And there was actually, it was called weekday religious education. Ohio was not the only place it was happening in. and, the, and But what's startling is this was in the 1970s. And in 1963, this Abington versus Shemp court case had said, you cannot have prayer in the schools. You know, you cannot have the, you know, like it ruled it all unconstitutional. It was always unconstitutional, but You, the court got very explicit and said, "You just can't do this," and the schools were doing it.
1: Okay, so as you said, fast forward because you did research um, on various different areas throughout the United States, and when we talk about education, we talk about learning about all. Types of people, all different cultures. We're supposed to be exposed so that we're not ignorant about other people. And when I say other people, whether the Jewish or Protestant or Muslim or take people from different countries, different colors, uh, different races, we're talking about the more we learn about other people that There are people who think differently, who have different religions, who look different. They're not bad people. They are just different in different ways. And so tell me what you actually found out and why um, we'll go into what you found out. And then I'd like to go into a little bit more of that.
0: Yeah, sure. And, and let me just say a couple of things, because I think when you started, you said something very true that a lot of people don't understand that it's actually legal to teach about religion in the public schools today. Right. You know, what you often hear is that God was kicked out of the schools. So God was not kicked out of the schools. What was kicked out of the schools was illegal preaching. Very different. Um, but teachers have always been able to teach about religion as a part of world history, as a part of geography and as a part of literature. And what I did in my investigation was what I was trying to find out is what are teachers doing today, right? How well prepared are they? And so a couple of different things, you know, like, so I, I went to various places where I'd heard about controversies but also went to a place where there wasn't one. And my book does start I'll skip the prologue. I'll just the book starts in Lumberton, Texas, which is in southeast Texas, almost on the border of Louisiana. And there was a geography teacher there. She had been teaching ninth grade geography for like 15 years, same way. And if you ask any kid who takes geography, normally when the teacher's teaching about like the Middle East, it would be incompetent to the teacher not to mention that there's You know, several religions represented in the Middle East, they would talk about Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, and the roles they play in different countries in the Middle East. You know, how could you talk about Israel and not talk about the fact that there's a Church of the Holy Sepulcher there and, and the mosque, you know, Temple Mount and the wall, the Western Wall, you know, so... In this class, what she was doing, she was including some basic lessons about the different religions that the countries they were learning about had. But then she had this class exercise. She would bring in clothes from different countries for kids to try on. She did this for like 15 years. There'd never been a controversy until I think it was the fall of 2013. And she brought in a whole bunch of different clothing from Muslim majority countries. Including a burqa, including like a hijab. And it was the burqa that became sort of the focal point of controversy. One of the kids took a picture of five of the kids and all these different, all this different clothing, posted it on Facebook, and then a parent got a hold of it and somehow it went viral. And this made Fox News, of course, um, and all kinds of, to be fair, all kinds of uh, newspapers. and the teacher was accused of indoctrinating the children in Islam.
1: And what she was doing was trying to expose them to a variety of different religions. And right.
0: Cultures. But there's a sub, but there's a there's a nuance that I get at in my book, and that is that she was so right, right? Just so right to teach about the world's religions as part of geography, because she was giving a more fuller picture. And she w- and, and the kids talked about, yes, she opened us to a world outside of Lumberton, Texas. That was wonderful, right? Like, One kid said went into the Peace Corps because of it. She was a pretty beloved teacher. A couple parents took the kids out of the class because they didn't like, they said she was indoctrinated. The problem became, and, and this wasn't even discussed in the controversy, just the idea of trying on clothing that has religious connotation. Yes. And what effect might that have on a Muslim child, you know, or on Muslims? Is that respectful of their culture? That never came up um, in this whole thing. It was all about is she indoctrinated or not? The school district said, no, she's not, you know. So nothing happened to the teacher. She did retire early because she got so upset about all the vitriol that happened, even though she had support from a lot of people within the school district but not everyone. And so she she had enough. She had taught for 39 years in all. So she wasn't a young teacher. She just taught this way for 15 years.
1: And especially nowadays with social media and everything, exposing, exposing and teaching um, children about other cultures and other religions, she may have gone too far, although it had never been brought up before. Well, and there was nothing illegal.
0: You know, Let no. me be clear: there's absolutely nothing illegal about what she did. It's a matter of how it should, was done. should you. So I talked to First Amendment folks and what they said is they generally don't think it's a good idea to try and reenact anything religious in a classroom, you know, because like some elementary teachers will and a Muslim parent would willingly do this. She'll demonstrate how she prays in the classroom. I mean, her doing it is actually better than having all the kids <laughs> go right. down with her and do that. Um, and but so, what, what was interesting about Lumberton, which had shades of my Ohio experience there, there was still a lot of things happening in that district that was violating separation of church and state or coming close to that. So there was a real tug and pull. And after the controversy, the superintendent made a big point of saying, "But we're still showing our Christian values." <laughs> You know, so it's like we're exposing our kids to the world. But we're still, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's amazing to think I, you know, I reported this out now back in 2013 and we're in the same kind of culture wars today, right? It hasn't, we're still having these same kind of conversations about what should, not just what should be taught, but who's that, you know, like should Christian values and, and be a part of public schools and no. They should not. Separation church and state. Um, But yeah, so Lumberton, Texas was one place I went. Also went to Wellesley, Massachusetts, just like 25 minutes down the road from me. They all. So part of the reason for picking different places was to show that this can be a controversy anywhere. You know, in some ways, Lumberton, Texas would be expected. Right, because a very conservative small town. Well, Wellesley is a very liberal, fairly progressive place, not extremely diverse, but much more diverse than Lumberton, Texas, which was probably 99% white and Christian, and had like one Muslim student in the school. Wellesley does have more than one Muslim student in the school. There, the controversy was over a field trip, But the community overwhelmingly supported this program, which exists today. They still do field trips to mosques, which was part of the controversy. They're just more careful in how they do them and make sure that it's observing and not participating. So,
1: yeah. Okay. It's going on today. People aren't taking field trips anyplace per se. So that can lessen some of
0: it. But where do you see... Oh, there are people taking, well, they will take field trips once the pandemic's over. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. So we have just a little bit of a breather. Um, Where do you see this going? Um, How do we expose children to, to educate them that there are people who, as we talked about, believe in different things, are culturally different, religiously
0: different, look different, So I I think you have to look at it in terms of where does it fit in the education that schools are already required to do, right? So where does it fit into literature and social studies? And how can you, you can do it in a couple different ways. So like Modesto, California, which is at the end of my book, they have required that students take, it's about a nine week class in world religions in their freshman year. And they've required that since the year 2000. So that is one way to do it. And it's part of a, a year long course. I believe it's uh, geography and social studies combined. And so that is one way you could do it. There are very few schools that are doing it exactly like that. The Wellesley, as far as I know, still has their January to June social studies developed around teaching about world religions. So you can simply take, you can take the requirements that are there and make it work so that you are incorporating things like teaching about different religions. What a lot of social studies. So I gave talks at the National Council of Social Studies convention, and by before hundreds of social studies teachers, and talked about you know the fact that you really how can you teach history, particularly world history, without mm-hmm. talking about the role religion plays, and then you need to understand that a lot of your students are coming in knowing nothing about religions. So as part of that, teach about different religions as part of what you're teaching. And the teachers also need training to do that. The fact is a lot of teachers are doing it, not doing it enough. Um, I would say, you know, the best argument to make this happen is not that we all need to love each other and respect each other. That's a beautiful outcome (laughs) of this type of education. It doesn't usually get standards passed. Um, So to me, the, the best case for this is that in order to be a global citizen, you need to be religiously literate, right? Well, that's it. How how can, how can you, how can you get to Congress (laughs) and not understand what the Holocaust is? Um, I'm I'm a little, being a little skeptical. I'm not sure whether that's true about, you know, Congresswoman Green, um, Taylor Green, but uh, you know, that it, there have been studies that show that, you know, studies of adults that woefully ignorant about just the basic basics of religion and that, you know, knowledge about the Holocaust has been going down. So you have, you know, it, it's, it's get, you know, it's making sure that the teachers are trained in this stuff that it doesn't get. It doesn't become just a superficial dealing with in the curriculum that you really teachers need training in order to do it well too and i would say in wellesley they've really paid attention to it in modesto they've paid attention to it you know there i i could go to a lot of school systems around the country and say yes they're paying attention to it then i could go to others and say they're doing about this much so and you talk about modesto and modesto is a
1: small little uh, uh, in in uh, in California, is, I know my brother had lived there for a short yeah. So Modesto,
0: I mean, compared to Philly, Ohio, it's a city. You know, it's it's. I think it was about two hundred thousand people. So it's not LA. It's not San Francisco. Yeah. It's it's just it's it's two hours away from San Francisco. It's not a tiny town. Um, in fact, the high school I went to had forty kids per class, and it was large. They had they had. Like three or four high schools in Modesto, so it, it's not, it's it's not tiny, tiny. I, I remember it as being very yeah. well,
1: where where the 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 train tracks and the the you know the the grapes
0: would come through on. Oh, um, I think it's grown. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think um, it's grown. It's not LA, that's for sure. No. But but it's interesting that Modesto, which is sort of considered part of California's Bible Belt, did this that and exactly And they so. did this be partly because of a lot of the reasons you're talking about right they don't want the kids to grow up ignorant and they thought it might they they did believe that it might help fight religious bigotry and establish re- more respect for other faiths you know with knowledge you can defeat ignorance hopefully and with that hopefully eliminate some of the bigotry and harassment and bullying that happens
1: well at least give it a try at least know that you have put it out there that you have not just um you know put it on a oh today we're just going to talk about you know we have to talk about religion so therefore we'll give you a little snapshot of each one to put it in the context of history and social studies and current events and and so on just makes it more palatable to be able to really educate. And that's what you're talking about. As you started out at the beginning, it's not preaching. That's not, you don't want that church lady coming in unless you're going to a private school that is specific to that
0: particular religion. Right, it it has to be teaching about religion. I also think it's important when teachers are teaching about religion that they do connect the dots a little bit for the kids and talk about stereotyping, which the Wellesley teacher did beautifully. They don't all do that. But you can't I think you have to go beyond the facts when you're teaching about it. I mean, right. So we're in a situation in the country right now where I would say the majority of the school systems probably aren't doing tons on teaching about religion. It probably pops up like in world geography and world history and stuff, but it depends on the school district in terms of how much they devote to it. And how and the, deep to go. And that's and always the, the way. But hopefully there harm. are people. There are people, there are religion scholars, there are even high school teachers in Illinois who've been trying to, you know, promote it more. Like there's high schools in Illinois I know where they've been training colleagues in grades K to 12 in ways they could teach about religion. So there's it's
1: pockets. And we and we can see what the ignorance winds up doing in a lot of the events that have taken place over the last recently over the last couple of years with the ignorance and the total tunnel vision of not not only not accepting but not understanding and therefore they're just in their their own world and yeah. somehow, because of their ignorance, the hatred comes in
0: because it's easy. They they don't know. Yeah, and um, we know anti semit you know anti semitism, islamophobia. There've been it's attacks worse. on right, and there's been attacks on Hindus and and Sikhs or Sikhs depends how people want to pronounce it. Sikhs usually tell me to say Sikh, um, but the Sikh temple shooting, which was I think around 2012, in Wisconsin. Um, I mean, to me, the best thing would be if someone could give a copy of my, my book to the new education secretary, you know, and kind of get them fired up that this needs to be a part of the discussion. There, there's huge discussions right now. And, and it's work I'm working on too, as a journalist about the importance of teaching about race and racism. There's also huge pushback, (laughs) as you know, the whole critical race theory debate going on. Um, but people need to include religion in these discussions and there's a lot of intersectionality too between race and religion as well and it it often gets religion often because like particularly with jews we're often the invisible minority oh yes so it often doesn't get talked about and you know there was something recently where um my son's class was reading a Y version of Trevor Noah's uh, autobiography and which I was really excited about and he enjoyed it, but there is a section in it where Trevor Noah talks about um, being part of this DJ group, like a disco, you know, like DJ group that had dancers. And one of the dancers name was Hitler and it, they go go to a Jewish day school in South Africa to perform, oh and they're chanting "Go Hitler." Oh my! And yeah, but they didn't. But it, there's a great lesson here, right? Because they didn't understand. That's that's the whole thing. So, so Trevor Noah's group didn't really understand. The power that were Someone, uh, the South African black parent had named their child Adolf Hitler. You know, had named their child Hitler, and and some children were named Mussolini, and they didn't really understand the power of that word to hurt someone in the Jewish community and why, and so I. The, but I bring this up because. Well, my son mentioned that to me. I said, well, is the teacher going to lead the discussion in class? Because he's one of the few Jews in the program he happens to be in right now in school. He's doing some all remote program. So I have no idea. It's usually just our little reading group before. So I was a little proactive and I sent a note to the teacher who apparently is Jewish and said, just FYI, this might require teacher facilitation because there's a lot of nuance to this and I'm not sure that seventh graders necessarily at this point know that much about the Holocaust or even who Hitler is. And so it could be a very misteachable teachable moment if there's mm-hmm. not some, and he did step in. I mean, there wasn't, there it turned out, there was no issue. I was just proactive. That is a case where sometimes religion doesn't get thought about a lot and, you know, just, things can be said in passing in a class and and the teacher doesn't, there's a lot of focus on race, which is terrific. And I want it there, but also there needs to be a discussion about minority religions as well. And also we shouldn't offend the majority religion either. That's not usually what happens.
1: (laughs) No. And, and, and we go back and repeat ourselves. It's a question of exposing our children and educating them. And Mm -hmm. it's not just our children because a lot of them, their parents were never taught. So they go back home, and the parents can say, that's a lot of bunk. Um, what are you talking about? I wasn't brought up that way, you know. So it's it's a uphill battle, but it's one that really has so much potential to do so much good and take away some of the hatred that we see and some of the ignorance that goes around. Um, so you talked about race. Everything is really, it's it's a question of education. Yes. So is that what you're working on next?
0: yeah, so I have been working on for for several years now, a book on teaching about racism. I don't know, you know what the status of that is going to be, but I did just win a, I did just win a reporting fellowship to do a big magazine piece about one slice, which i'll I'll look at the ethnic studies movement. Um, and ethnic studies is sort of one piece of this where teachers teach um, through the lens. They'll say that I'm teaching through the lens of ethnic studies, which includes things like black history. Latino history, um, Asian American, and Native American history. They're trying to get beyond just teaching through the Eurocentric lens. So, and and they have students also learn about their own race and identity. And religion can certainly be a part of that, but this is a little this is separate. And you know, it's like if you're teaching about U.S. history, you don't only you don't only want to teach through the white lens. And so they're trying to bring in other sources and like other primary sources than just what you might get in your history book and it's been very you know it's been controversial of course of course <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm but I'm I'm going to be looking at teachers who are actually doing it and some of them who are trying to get it started in a district and then I'll go to another place around the country I don't give it all away but I'm going to go travel to another place um, in the country where it's been done for like 10 years pretty quietly and what the results have shown is that particularly for students of color, this ends up increasing the graduation rate, increasing attendance rates, increasing the performance in school. And part of it is they finally see themselves in the curriculum.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. it also teaches
0: that there's an, another layer of ethnic studies where it really teaches students to be agents of change. So it's not just a straight Black history course or a street history class, but it also could I mean you can use this approach in literature as well. It's also, you know, so what do we do about X? What can we do? It's not like the teacher's going to go lead them in protest, but the students might then feel like, I want to write a la- letter to the mayor about this, or I want to write a letter to the school superintendent about the fact that what I see in my school is if you go to the advanced placement classes, It's like mostly white and Asian and there are no black and Latino students. Why is this? That's the other project and research I've been doing. And I have written some stories. I'm just going to do some more.
1: So if you had one thing that you wanted to tell um, our listeners, what would that message be? About my work or about careers or? How about, uh, Education and tolerance and, and uh, just
0: knowledge. So, if you're a parent or a grandparent, pay attention to what your kids are learning in school. And if they're not learning about different religions and race and ethnicity in the school, talk to the school district about it and say, you know, what are you doing to try and educate this next generation? so that they learn what they need not not only to be you know religiously literate citizens and racially aware human beings but also so what they learn what they need to do to be knowledgeable and to be upstanders in the face of bigotry and prejudice and racism.
1: Linda where can
0: people find more about you? Sure um so I have a website I'll give you the easy website it's uh www.faithedbook.com so and you can also find me on twitter and that's at the little at sign Mm -hmm. linda k-w-e-r-t you can follow me on twitter i'm on instagram i'm on facebook and uh of course you can find faith ed anywhere books are sold and in almost every form now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Linda, I thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, It's a topic that of course needs to continue being talked about and taught.
0: Thank you. It, It was just a pleasure to talk with you, Sylvia. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Join me next week when I talk to another extraordinary, inspiring woman. This has been a Life of Prey production.